It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Ignition sequence start. Oh, see, Elijah Wan has David Robinson just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. Yeah! Oh! Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. I am your host, Jackson Gatlin, at JT Gatlin on Twitter. Producer with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship here in Houston. Speaking of Twitter, Rockets fans are going through it right now after the team's 121-110 loss against the Memphis Grizzlies. So this loss is... It's interesting. I don't want to put it in the schedule loss category necessarily because the team should have won this game. The Grizzlies aren't exactly a team that you're destined to beat. They are playing some really good basketball. They have the third best offense since somewhere in early December. They are a surging young team who are currently in the playoff picture. This isn't one of those Memphis Grizzlies teams where you look at it on the schedule and you say, oh, yep, that's an easy W. No, this team is playing some good basketball. So you can't really... I don't want to say you want, don't want to fault the Rockets for losing, but maybe they didn't take this game as seriously as they should have. I didn't see a distinct lack of effort out there on the court. It's not like they were sleepwalking through this game, but they definitely didn't play themselves any favors in this one. You look at the overall breakdown of the game, and there's certain things that happen in this game that you just absolutely cannot explain Dylan Brooks shooting 6 of 10 from behind the three-point arc in this matchup, 60% from downtown, 24 points on the entire game. That That is just, it's insane to think about because in their first matchup, the dude went 0 for 7. So not only did he go 0 for 7 in the first matchup between these two teams, in this matchup, he was draining three-pointers with hands in his face. Like, it, it didn't matter. The dude couldn't miss. So how often is that going to happen? I mean, the, the Grizzlies hit 13 three-pointers as a team. He accounted for six of those. And he missed all seven that he took the first time these two teams met up. So I kind of just shake my head at that one. Like, okay, great. You know, he burnt us in this game. That's not usually going to happen. So in that respect, it's kind of like, okay, you look at that. Dylan Brooks torched us from three. John Morant, 3 of 4 from downtown. Everybody else, really poor shooting on the team. Valanchunas, 0 of 2. Kyle Anderson, 0 of 3. Jaron Jackson Jr., 2 of 7. 
Not great shooting all around. Only 35% from downtown for the Grizzlies as a whole. But then the place that they really killed the Rockets were the fast break points. So it's like Dylan Brooks, yeah, if he goes off from three, there's not much you can do there, especially if you're contesting shots. If he's just making threes, not much else you can do. You can maybe try to run him off the three-point line a little bit better, but I don't think anybody on the I don't think on the Rockets scouting report it said, hey, watch out for Dylan Brooks. He's a lights out three-point shooter. No. That is highly suspect. I, I don't think that that would have happened. Looking at his overall percentages, I mean, the guy shoots, let's see, for his career, he's a 37% three-point shooter. For this season, he's 38.5. So he's a respectable three-point shooter. But past that, the fast break points are what absolutely killed this Rockets club. 25-7 to fast break advantage for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's a young team. They play with a lot of pace. They were getting up and down the court. And against a you know an old Rockets team, it worked. Rockets were getting beat up and down the court left and right. And then you look at the Rockets team and the, the team that they had out there. And it's worrying again. Yeah, because this is a game where you don't have Russell Westbrook. He's sitting out on the first night of a back-to-back so he will play against the Portland Trailblazers at home in Toyota Center. But you look at the team and you run another seven-man lineup. So the starters, all with extremely high minutes. James Harden, 39, a team-high 39 minutes. P.J. Tucker and Ben McLemore both at 38. Got Clint Capella running at 33. Rivers with 27, who is in the starting lineup in place of Westbrook, with his job being to chase John Morant around the court. Then off the bench, Daniel Haas Jr. at 26 and Eric Gordon at 32. Isaiah Hartenstein got four minutes in the first half, and that was it. And Tyson Chandler got two minutes at some point. I want to say it was the third quarter where Tyson Chandler got a little bit of burn. So the Rockets played small for a big chunk of this game against the likes of Jonas Valanciunas and Triple J. And they didn't get destroyed in the rebounding department. It was 42-41. to But it felt like they were undersized. It felt like there were a lot of times where the Grizzlies were able to get shots directly at the rim and they just weren't being contested. And that's what happens when you're running the tuck wagon lineup. That's what happens when you go up against a team with a lot of athleticism and length and you refuse to play your bigs. And I can see the argument for Isaiah Hartenstein, who maybe is a bad matchup when they're running Triple J at the center spot and Valanciunas is sitting on the bench, I can see that being maybe a bad matchup for Hartenstein, which was maybe the logic. But guess what? You can, it's it's Mike D'Antoni, it's okay to play Hartenstein against Valanciunas, who's another big, slow dude. And then you can have Capella match up with Triple J. It's not that hard. I just, Hartenstein just showed you last game that he can be extremely effective. And for him to just get banished again four minutes in a game where you've got another big body center who, again, you didn't get killed on the boards, but it just feels like having a big in the game makes things better for this Rockets club. I should go dig up the stats for a podcast later this week and find out the 
lineup splits with Isaiah Hartenstein in there and versus Clint Capella and the tuck wagon lineup and all this stuff. I didn't do it before this podcast. I should have because it bothers me to holy hell that Mike D'Antoni just seemingly did Isaiah Hartenstein piss in his Cheerios or something. I just, I don't know what to think at this point because the kid has showed so much promise and has produced in even limited minutes and so he has four minutes last night, and he hit a couple free throws. He had two points. He had an assist. No boards in that four minutes. And that's it. That was enough to say, all right, that no production in four minutes, you're out. I just don't get it. It is tough for me to wrap my head around. I'll run through stat lines and keep talking about this game more in just a second. But first, a quick message from our friends over at Echelon Fitness. Getting fit is tough. But to get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, athletes, whatever your activity level is, they make a bike for you. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll give you your money back. Join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Just go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-M-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-M-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-M-B-A. Echelon, it's your time. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Talking about the Rockets 121-110 loss against the Memphis Grizzlies, dropping the team to 26-13 and on the season, 12-9 and on the road. Grizzlies improved to 19-22 and on the season, 11-12 and at home. The Rockets are actually just 1-4 and across their last five road games now, unfortunately. Now that dates back to the... Pelicans loss in which you didn't have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, or Clint Capella, but that still factors in and also includes the Christmas Day loss against the Golden State Warriors. That's in that five game stretch of road games where they are one and four. So maybe those two games are mm. the Warriors game was a bit concerning because, you know, dud on Christmas Day, but Pelicans game is kind of one of those you're missing your top three players. Eric Gordon's first game back. Eh. But looking at the Rockets from this game, it didn't feel like this was going to be a tightly contested game out of the gate. I mean, James Harden came out and it looked like there was no way that the Grizzlies were going to be able to hold him this game. 
I want to say he had 17 points in the first quarter, something something ridiculous, doing James Harden things to start the game off. After after one, the Rockets led 37 to 32. It was a pretty respectable score after one. Where you really lost this game was your bench production, and this is the issue with these teams that have been constructed in the Mike D'Antoni era. And we, you know, thinking back. Sometimes these issues really do remind me of the 16-17 team where when you don't have both James Harden and Russell Westbrook and then you are forced to rely on stretches of the game where you don't have one of those two guys handling the ball, the team looks lost. They really do. You know, those bench units without one of James or Russ handling the ball or even in the past without one of James or Chris in the game When you're suddenly down to just one future Hall of Famer, this offensive scheme completely falls apart. And I think that's where you really lost the game in those minutes in the start of the second quarter. And then also they they did okay at the top of the fourth, but overall the bench unit just completely killed this game. Daniel House Jr. was a team worst, minus 23. His struggles absolutely continue Eric Gordon minus six Ben McLemore the plus minus king minus six Austin Rivers was a minus 18 you know and again because that's Austin Rivers who is expected to kind of guide that second unit be the primary ball handler and just not a great look overall Grizzlies came back in that second quarter 35 to 24 to take a six-point lead into halftime and on the backs of really it was that it was a huge like 15 to 4 run to start the second yeah that sounds right and so immediately after the 15 to 4 run James Harden checks back in and continues to play his game but James did not have himself a great night yeah he got 41 points it was 41 6 and 6 he had a block in there 10 of 11 from the charity stripe but the rest of his shooting numbers just Really rough. 5 of 19 from behind the arc. 13 of 37 overall. And I get it. You know, no Russell Westbrook, so somebody's got to take the shots, right? But I think in this respect, you're, you're looking at it, you know, maybe he needs to get Clint a little bit more involved. Focus on Because there were so many times that he was just driving it into the defense and... This All this boils back to is the predictability of this offense. This offense is highly predictable when it's just going to be either a step back three from James Harden, a drive and kick, or a drive by James with a finish at the rim. There's, there's, no, there's no cleverness behind this offense. There is no... Now, yes, there are times where we see plays being drawn up, and there's times where... The offense does look really nice, and we've seen arguments from certain Rockets media members that say, oh, well, you know, you can't do, you can't run an actual offense when James Harden is being double teamed, you know, at the half court line. Well, that didn't happen this game. James was not being double teamed at the half court line. The, the Grizzlies effectively, I think, even though James got 41 points, I think the Grizzlies effectively shut down James Harden this game. I think this is what you can hope for. 41 points, but on 13 of 37 shooting, that's great. That's about as well as you can hold James Harden. 
Making him take 37 shots to get to 41 points is incredible. And the guy who torched you from, from three, Dylan Brooks, 6 of 10 shooting from behind the arc, credit him with a lot of that defense. But also the length inside. Triple J, Valanchunas, those guys were making it really hard for Harden. And you can make the argument that James should have gotten a more friendly whistle than he did, that he you know was getting hit a little bit more on the inside than he, than he should have been without any calls being made. But I don't want to look at it like this. I don't want to rely on the referees to blow the whistle for James Harden in order for this Rockets team to win games. Because you know what's going to happen in the playoffs? The refs are going to swallow their whistles. And if we rely, if the Rockets rely on the whistle from the referees to win games, they're not going to make it out of the West. They might not even make it out of the first or second round if that's the case. You just can't. You have to play basketball. You have to play the game. And you have to play to score the ball. You cannot rely on the referees. You just can't. And so if you're taking the ball in inside consistently and you're getting clobbered and you're not getting any calls, then guess what? You modify your game. The Grizzlies were conceding the mid-range the entire game. And I know that it's crazy to think, okay, you know, divert from Mori Ball a little bit. James Harden started the game with a mid-range jumper and hit it. I thought maybe for a second there was going to be more mid-range involved in James Harden's game. He can hit those shots. They're still worth two points. Are they lower? Are they are they worse shots overall? Yeah, they're less effective. But if that's all you're getting, then take them. Because, again, looking at it, 5 of 19 from behind the arc for James Harden is really bad. You know, I think that we've taken for granted a little bit the... Russell Westbrook mid-range and just maybe how effective he is at getting to the rim because you see it now in this loss and Russell Westbrook hasn't played in either of the games against the Grizzlies now he sat out the Grizzlies game earlier this season as well so we haven't gotten a chance to see how he would look against this young fast athletic Grizzlies roster yet but part of me definitely feels like this game would not have gone this way with Russell Westbrook playing. And I had to point it out on social media that the team is currently 23-10 and 10 when Westbrook plays. And of those 10 losses, six of them came during his, uh, we'll call it his adjustment period, where he was still dealing with you know, not having played basketball all offseason, not really being in his version of what would be game shape, probably for a guy who is... As, as, as is as explosive and athletic as he is, somebody who relies on you know a you know 99th percentile body control. Westbrook was probably not at that point. He had the dislocated fingers. He was shooting too many threes earlier in the season. All those things. Six of the losses with Westbrook. Six of those ten losses came during that stretch. And since the end of November, I think it was like. Right after Thanksgiving, so like the 26th, 27th of November, the Rockets are 14 and 4 when Westbrook plays. 14 and 4 when he plays. That's pretty damn good. So, for everybody who's criticizing this team in the games where Westbrook doesn't play, the entire team is built around having one of Westbrook or Harden on the court. So, of course, it's going to look like a flawed system when one of them isn't out there. 
And you can make arguments all the live long day about, well, the team shouldn't be that, you know, the, the championship team shouldn't be that dependent on, you know, their two stars. They should be able to play a certain way. Even if both of them sit down, they should still be playing competitive basketball. I mean, great. Go get Greg Popovich or Brad Stevens as your coach. Because that's just not, that's not this Rockets ball club. And yeah, I agree. It's a flawed system. But it's also a system that got you to go to seven games against the all-time great Warriors team. You went to six games with them last year before Steph Curry hit Supernova. The system works. Having two Hall of Fame guards who basically run the offense for the entire 48 minutes. So yeah, the system looks pretty bad when you don't have two Hall of Fame guards to do it. And the Rockets definitely lost the bench minutes where they had Austin Rivers running the show instead of Russell Westbrook. Surprising how that happens. Surprising how there's a distinct drop-off in production from Russell Westbrook, future Hall of Famer, to Austin Rivers, who might be starting caliber point guard on maybe a third of the teams in the league. And that might be even pushing it to an extent. So I'm not happy with this loss. I hope that I've made that abundantly clear by this point. The Rockets shouldn't have lost this game. And they shouldn't have lost because they lost for some silly reasons like the 25 fast break points that they gave up or possibly the 16 turnovers that they had which turned into 15 Grizzlies points. So I think I've made that pretty clear that I'm not happy about this loss. But this loss isn't a world breaker. It's not the end of the it's not the end of the season. It's a loss on the road against a Memphis Grizzlies team that had just won 5 in a row. They just beat the Clippers not long ago. The Clippers are still a championship contender. Did, did losing to the Grizzlies suddenly take away that championship label or championship contender label from the Clippers? No, it didn't. I've never seen a fan base that is so up and down as this Rockets one, unfortunately. And it's really tough. I don't know how y'all do it sometimes. Because if I was as up and down as a lot of the fans on social media are, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. I really wouldn't. Now, there are there are issues. This team has not shown a lot of pride on the defensive side of the basketball. And I think a lot of that comes from the drop-off that we've seen from Daniel House Jr. A lot of it comes from just defensive fundamentals that maybe the coaching staff aren't putting in place. Mike D'Antoni, not known for being a defensive-minded coach. We know that. But we also know that this is the oldest team in the league. Their average age is 296 29.6 years old is the average age for this team. So this is a veteran team. And we've seen, in spurts, we've seen them hone in and dial it up a notch on the defensive side. And I'm fully convinced that come playoff time, you're not going to get these, you're not going to get these lapses where they're, you know, taking plays off or not putting in 110% energy on that side of the basketball and I think I've said this before, but putting a veteran team out there every night, guys like you know, 34-year-old P.J. Tucker and expecting them to play at 100% energy, undersized guys, guarding bigs, you know, P.J.'s legs are probably a bit shot at this point. And P.J. Tucker definitely had a bad game. Granted, he had the shoulder stinger from, or the, yeah, shoulder stinger from the Rockets game against the T-Wolves. It was a bit concerning, so it's impressive to me that he's just back in this game. But zero points, only attempted one shot. The production from the forwards has been 
almost non-existent for the last 10 plus games for this Rockets club. So that's one that's one area that you can point the blame to. You can point the blame to James Harden's inefficiency that he should have gotten more teammates involved. There's no reason for PJ Tucker to only have one shot attempt or for Daniel House to only have one three-point attempt. Not looking great. Final segment here in just a second, so do not go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, running through the Rockets 121-110 loss on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies, first night of a back-to-back without Russell Westbrook. Rockets have five more back-to-backs to play this season. So even if you were to chalk this team up as, let's just say hypothetically, Westbrook sits out every single one of those back-to-backs, which is definitely possible. The exception being there is a back-to-back that includes the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. And there's a, I would say that there's a distinct possibility that he plays in both sides of that back-to-back because of how important that set of games might be for matchup purposes as far as head-to-head records and seeding come playoff time. But the Rockets have said that Westbrook is going to rest every one of every single back-to-back set of games. So that being said, there's five more back-to-backs this season. If you want to, you can go ahead and just, we'll say, all right, we're going to chalk up half of those games as losses. Just we'll count them as scheduled losses. So that's five more L's in the loss column right there. So that puts the Rockets up to 18 losses. That gives you, what, seven to nine more losses besides the back-to-backs that you would be relatively content with losing in this stacked Western Conference. I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to paint the picture of, look, if this team goes 55 and 27, that's good. Like, I'm sorry, that's, in this Western Conference, that's really good. You are right there in the standings, and I know it hurts. It hurts to lose these games because you lose the games and then you start looking at things like you're looking at where they've fallen in the standings, so to speak, and you're, you're looking at, okay, they're the fifth seed right now. But you're right there in the standings. You're only one back in the loss column from the Jazz, who are holding the two seed right now. So the fact that you're only one loss back in the loss column, just a game and a half back overall, they're not in a bad spot. The standings have been shifting nonstop over the last two to three weeks. Just a couple weeks ago, the Rockets were the two seed and the Jazz were the sixth seed. The Mavericks are now comfortably falling a bit further out of the top four race. And the Lakers are further further and further cementing themselves as the probable number one seed. But as far as everybody else, as far as the Jazz, Nuggets, Clippers, and Rockets are concerned, you're all only separated by a game and a half. 
So there's no reason to be extremely worried right now. The team hasn't gone on a skid. They haven't lost three or four or five in a row to drop them significantly in the standings. And they have a nice little homestand now. They have a nice little homestand. They play the next four games at home. So you've got the Trailblazers, and you've got the big game, first game of the season against the Lakers this upcoming Saturday, January 18th. Then you get a rematch against Oklahoma City, a 4 p.m. tip-off Monday afternoon. And then you get another game against the Denver Nuggets Wednesday evening, January 22nd, an 8.30 p.m. tip-off. So you get four games in a row all at home before you hit the road for four games. Minnesota, Denver Nuggets, Utah Jazz, and then Portland Trailblazers. And honestly, I'm pretty optimistic about this stretch. Give the Rockets a chunk of games at home. Every single game Westbrook's going to play in. The next eight games Westbrook's going to play in. I take that back. Denver Nuggets, Utah Jazz. That's one of the back-to-back sets. So Westbrook may or may not sit out one of those two games. I still lean towards I think that he'll actually play in them, in both of them, because looking at things now, those two games are going to be really important for seeding. And if Westbrook sits, you can almost guarantee one of them is going to be a loss because Utah is playing some really great basketball and Nuggets are also playing some really great basketball. So it's hard to look at it and say, okay, well, which one do you want Westbrook to sit out on? And I'd, also, I'd almost argue that if you're going to let Westbrook sit one, you should sit James Harden too and just make him sit out a game. Give him some rest. Say, all right, go sit down. Go do whatever you want to do. Go play pickup or something. But you're not playing in this game just because it's probably going to be a loss without Westbrook. But back to the Grizzlies game. The bench production, again, was really the main reason for this loss. I can go in circles about it, but that's all it was. You know, the minutes where the bench was out there on the court were the minutes where this game truly was lost. Because when you have things happening like Dylan Brooks going 6 for 10 from downtown or John Morant carving up your defense, it's going to be tough if you're not also putting the ball in the basket on the other end. And the bench struggled to do that. Again, four points, a 15-4 to run in favor of the Grizzlies at the top of the second quarter put you in a hole that then James Harden had to try and come in and dig you out of. And even then, he wasn't able to do that, you know, extremely effectively because he was having an extremely inefficient night. And the Rockets have actually been extremely effective in the Russ-only bench-led lineups. Basically, ever since he got himself right, the bench units have actually been outscoring opposing bench well you can't say outscoring opposing benches because the stats don't line up that way but the times where Westbrook is on the court the lineups where Westbrook is on the court have been it was like nine or ten points per possession better than opposing lineups that's not insignificant that's akin to what we became accustomed to with the Chris Paul led lineups where the bench units led by Chris Paul would destroy opposing bench units So the fact that we are now getting that from the Westbrook-led bench units is huge for this club. That allows the starters to do their job, compete for a lead, or at least keep the game, or at least keep things competitive and even. And then the bench unit comes in and inflates the lead or gets you ahead. But it'll be interesting to see moving forward if. 
Ben McLemore remains in the starting lineup with Daniel House on the bench. I think that given Daniel House Jr.'s struggles, it makes sense to leave him on the bench. But it doesn't make sense to leave him on the bench if you're going to not cycle Isaiah Hartenstein in for size purposes. Because if you're going to be running three guards consistently throughout the game, which is it looks like that's what they're doing between Westbrook, Harden, McLemore, Rivers, and Gordon, if you're running those five guys with consistently three of them on the court at any one time, then you basically got P.J. Tucker and Daniel House are your two forwards taking up the minutes at the four spot. You need to have Isaiah Hartenstein play some minutes as the backup five. You absolutely have to. And there's no reason for him not to get a chance at it. Four minutes is unacceptable for Isaiah Hartenstein, and it's unacceptable of Mike D'Antoni. That's honestly probably my biggest gripe from this game, is that Hartenstein only got four minutes. A couple other things. I completely whiffed on the Monday podcast. James Harden hit the 20,000-point mark of his career in that game. In fact, I had it right there in my notes. I had Harden ditched his headband, and then in parentheses, I had it say, hit 20,000 points, and somehow completely missed on that. So, sorry about that. (laughs) Had it in my notes, completely glossed over it. He's now 43rd, I want to say, on the all-time scoring list, just past Anton Jameson and Tom Chambers on that list. So, James Harden, no news to us, phenomenal scorer, even though he did it in a rather inefficient fashion, still put up 41 points, still climbing on that scoring list. And then on top of that, a bit more, some more solemn news to go along with this already slightly unhappy podcast episode, Gary Clark has been signed by the Orlando Magic to a 10-day contract. So we'll see, you know, we've got Disney Gary Clark now on Twitter mourning the loss of Gary Clark and uh, the rest of the Rockets fandom along with him. So we'll see what Gary does down there in Orlando. It'll be interesting to see if he gets some some decent minutes or if he's just going to be relegated to another bench role. Maybe he plays himself into a regular contract instead of just a 10-day, but we'll see. I think that's where we will wrap things up for today. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want more content before our next show, social media is where it's all happening. I'm on there at JT Gatlin, and the show is on there at Locked on Rockets. Pass out there's Facebook, which can be found at facebook.com slash lockedonrockets, the website lockedonrockets.com, and of course the email address lockedonrockets at gmail.com. All of these are different ways to consume content about your Houston Rockets. You can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, place advertising inquiries, Really, it's just a way for you guys to let me know if there's anything that we can do to improve this experience for you, our listeners. Beyond that, if you'd be kind enough to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, if you could please subscribe and give us a five-star review. That's how you get the benefit of episodes that go straight to your inbox before they show up on the previously mentioned social media outlets, and then we get the benefit of looking attractive to potential advertisers and keeping this business model rolling along as the most regular podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. For this Wednesday, January 15th episode, this is where we break. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to have you back again very, very soon right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.